homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. Welcome back to this gradual teaching series for the Youth Dhamma School. And in this session, we're looking at the Buddha's instructions on giving, so Dhanakata. And what we're going to cover broadly in this session is looking at what is giving, the different kinds of giving and why it's important. Then we'll look at uh, what is important about making merit and then also sharing merit. And then there's all these different things that the Buddha talks about in respect of giving and there's numerous suttas. But we're going to look at some of those qualities, some of the blessings of giving, some of the better ways to give, certain things that we may or may not know about that. And then we'll look at what blocks giving, like what are the impediments, blocks to doing good. And then finally, we'll look at who are our role models for giving, because this is about really who can we emulate? Who did Buddha hold up as really good examples? The first question we ask is, what is giving? What is dana? And listed on this particular slide are a number of things. So things like gifts, a charity, acts of service, almsgiving, offerings, generosity, offering safety, kind words, giving dhamma. And essentially, when you give, you're actually giving up something that you would have had for yourself. So if you give up your time for somebody else, that's the time you would have had for yourself. If you give up money, that's things that you would have spent on yourself and so on and so forth. Even when you give toys, whether it's a new toy or it's something that you no longer use anymore, but it's still giving up. So there's something really wonderful about this thing that Buddhists are emphasizing in his teachings. We can already see that there are different ways to give. Some of them involve our physical actions, others involve our verbal actions, and some involve our mental actions. And really, when you look at physical actions, it's about giving up our time, giving up our energy. So it could be something like helping someone to cross the road. It can be helping someone to find their lost pet. It can be volunteering at school with school activities. It could even be helping someone to study and, you know, many things like that. And so it's really around acts of service, even making dana, preparing dana to give to the sangha is also part of that because it takes time and it takes energy to do so and to travel to, to give that or even to uh, give that to someone who is doing pindapat. Now, in terms of verbal actions, this can start with simply kind words. So often we underestimate that kind words play a very important part of connecting with people. When people are suffering, they're going through a bad time, kind words is a giving. Being able to listen to someone is a giving. And then this goes all the way to sharing Dhamma. So when you share Dhamma, having Dhamma conversations in a wholesome way, uh, when you uh, take on board certain things and you share it with others, Buddha's words, that is a very wholesome giving. And then when it comes to mental actions, this is really about developing our minds and abandoning things that the Buddha says are unwholesome qualities. So for example, when we meditate on the Vatupama Sutta and we purify our minds from the mental stains, then this is part of giving 
giving in terms of our mental actions. And so when we also uh, have good wishes to other people, this is also part of wholesome giving. And then we can also share merit. This is also part of those mental actions. Sometimes when people say meditation is a very selfish thing, it actually isn't because when you share the merit of the goodness that you do when you meditate, this is really giving. It helps to balance out maybe some of the unfortunate or unwholesome things that are happening in the world, especially when you share the merit with all sentient beings, all living beings. Throughout this session, we're going to look at different suttas from uh, the Sutta Pithika and listen to Buddha's words. But in this case, we'll start off with this sutta called the Sapurisa Dana Sutta. So it talks about a good person and the giving of a good person and the results. So in every case, the result is that the person becomes rich and has lots of wealth and property. So when you give out of conviction, so when you give out of this quality Buddha called Sadda, so sometimes it's also faith, confidence in the Buddha, Dhamma Sangha, the result is that you become handsome or attractive and graceful and you possess the supreme beauty of complexion. So the way we can see this is sometimes we see people have a glow and that's normally because they, they do very wholesome deeds, acts of generosity out of conviction or faith towards Buddha Dhamma Sangha. So that's the first thing. The second one is when you give respectfully. So again, you're rich with great wealth and property. But what happens is that your family, your helpers, your workers, they're obedient, they lend an ear and they apply their minds to understand. So you get the respect from people around you when you give respectfully. Then the third one is giving a timely gift. So when you give a timely gift, you get timely benefits. They come to you in abundance. And then when the fourth one is giving unreservedly, so you don't have any blocks to your giving, then the Buddha says that your mind inclines to the enjoyment of the five kinds of fine sensual pleasures. So that mean, means when you don't have any blocks to the giving, you, you give with a very open heart, then you get to enjoy the fruits of, of that giving in a material sense. And then the last one is that when you give without injuring yourself or others, then what happens is when the uh, you get the wealth and the, the richness, then there's no damage that comes to your property from any source. So it doesn't get compromised by fire, floods, kings, thieves, or displeasing heirs. So that's a really interesting one. So those are the five, five ways of giving, um, particularly for a good person. So a good person, the Buddha de defines as someone who keeps sila, who keeps the virtue, who is someone who operates from a very a uh, high mind state of gratitude and thankfulness, who is uh, leaning towards the Buddha's teachings. So things like that. So that's important for us to know that there are, very, there are benefits that come from the way that we give. We can ask the question about why giving is important. Why is the Buddha teaching us this? And there are a number of reasons that we've put here. And we'll go through some of them in, in more detail as we go along through this session. So the first one is by giving merit grows, so you accumulate punya, merit. The second is you realize the wealth of generosity. So we think that wealth is simply material things, but the Buddha talks about seven different kinds of wealth that are very different from 
material wealth and generosity is one of those. And then you receive the blessings of giving. giving. So as we've seen already, there are benefits or fruits of giving. And so you receive those when you start giving. The fourth one is you develop or receive greater mind energy. So the way you can understand that is when you feel good after you've done something good, you've given something to someone else, there's a joy or happiness that arises in the mind. This is really important because you can apply that kind of mind energy to things that you need to do. So when it comes to studying, if you have more mind energy, it makes the studying process easier. And also when it comes to sleeping, when you have a wholesome, joyful mind, sometimes it's much easier to have a good sleep. So things like that. And you can apply that to the meditation as well when you have more mind energy. And then it's linked with developing virtue and the mind. So we'll see that dhanakata, like this, this instruction on giving, is linked to the instruction on virtue, silakata. And of course, all of these things are very helpful to meditation because you start to remove certain blocks uh, to the mind. And then the last one is really important that when you start giving, what happens is you start walking what the Buddha calls the non-greed path, the aloba path. You're no longer uh, coveting, longing, uh, grabbing things simply for yourself. And there's a giving up of things, as we've said before. We can now look at what is merit or what is punya. And as we've said, it's activities or actions that are skillful, they're wholesome, and they're linked with goodness. So it's like we're doing good. And when we do good, we earn merit. We earn this punya. And Buddha says it's superior to apunya, the demerit. So when we do bad things. And these are things that we can repeat. So we can offer dana uh, repetitively. We can help people. Uh, repetitively and so on and so forth so it generates joy and happiness in the mind so there's this sutta that Buddha talks about something that's quite interesting it's called Dutya Puttaka Sutta Aputaka Sutta and this is in Sangyutta Nikaya chapter 3 discourse number 20 and the Buddha says material things and those who are dependent on you you can't take any of that with you it must be left behind but what one has done by body, speech or mind, this is what truly is one's own. This one takes when one goes, this is what follows you, like a shadow that never departs. Therefore, one should do what is good as a collection for the future life, merits are for the support for living beings when they arise in the other world. So what Buddha is saying here is that all these things that we accumulate in this lifetime, the car, the house, the people, the friends, the people that work with us, all those sorts of things, material things, we can't take them with us when we pass away from, from this life. But all the wholesome deeds, all the giving that we've done, they follow us like a shadow. They never leave us. And so Buddha's then in the last part saying that, when we accumulate this, this is very good for supporting us in the next life. And so when you understand that, you know you, you're actually quite wealthy from that perspective. When you accumulate or collect merit. And some of you may know this example that the Buddha gives in the Vajagota Sutta. This is in the Anguttara Nikaya. 
he says that one acquires merit even if one throws away dishwashing water in a refuse dump or cesspit with the thought, may the living beings here sustain themselves with this? How much more then does one acquire merit when one gives to human beings? And then the Buddha goes on to say, however, I say that what is given to one of virtuous behavior is more fruitful than what is given to an immoral person. And the most worthy recipient is one who has abandoned the five factors and possesses five factors. So already we can see Buddha's encouraging us to, if we have the right thoughts or intentions around giving, even if we give dishwater, if we cast it out into our garden in a little bowl, then even if we give that with that really wholesome intention, if the birds come and drink from it or if uh, it helps uh, insects and things like that, then that's also part of giving you gain merit from that, something that we would have thrown away as we, we wouldn't use it. And then he's emphasizing that giving to someone who is virtuous, someone who keeps sila, someone who is moral, uh, is always better than giving to someone who isn't. So giving to a criminal, giving to a beggar who doesn't have virtue, that is not as, as meritorious as giving to someone who, who is keeping sila. And then if someone has abandoned the five hindrances, so sensual desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, uh, restlessness and worry, and doubt, then that is also uh, more meritorious. So there's certain things around this giving that the Buddha says there is uh, different things to consider. So throughout the teachings that the Buddha gives on giving, the real strongest thing that we learn is that we shouldn't fear good deeds. So when we give up our time, give, it up, give up our uh, effort, when we use kind words, when we uh, you know, meditate and share merit, these are the things Buddha says, good deeds is a term for happiness, for sukha, for what is likable, desirable and agreeable. And then what he says in this particular sutta, which is called the Metta Sutta, uh, he recalls that the result of good deeds, having performed them, you receive the happiness for a very long time. And so when you think about when we live in this particular life, how down sometimes we can get, how clouded the mind can be. But when you have this act of generosity, act of giving, when you infuse your life, you fill your life up with lots of good deeds, then there's more opportunity or ability to have a happy mind, to have a mind that is agreeable, malleable, that we can work with it. So if you think about it, if you're trying to study and you have an angry mind, a frustrated mind, often you realize it's really difficult. It's better to get up and go for a walk and come back when the mind is calmer. But when the mind is happy, studying becomes relatively easy and even when the mind is happy and you need to help your parents when it's already happy you bend to what your parents want you to do but if the mind is angry you don't want to do anything and the whole process becomes a lot more difficult when you have to do what your parents ask you to do so things like that it's a way of not fearing good deeds not fearing giving up your time not fearing giving up your pocket money or your toys that you don't use anymore it's actually a really wonderful thing to know that actually it's a very good thing we're now going to look at sharing merit and 
uh, we're going to look at it in two ways. The first way is sharing merit for our departed relatives, so the ones who have passed away. And then we're also going to look at it in the context of sharing it with all living beings. So the first one, we look at this Tirukuta Sutta. And this is really around when we uh, lament and, and have great sorrow when our relatives have passed away, our loved ones, our, even our friends. And the Buddha says, when we think, he gave to me, she acted on my behalf, they were my relatives, companions and friends. So when we, when we mourn for them and we think about them, then Buddha says, offerings should be given for the departed when one reflects thus things done in the past. So when we think about them, instead of just thinking about them, we should do, do good deeds and dedicate merit. Buddha says, for no weeping, no sorrowing, no other lamentation benefits the departed whose relatives persist in this way. But when this offering is given, well placed in the Sangha, it works for their long-term benefit and they profit immediately. So this is how we can help our departed relatives. They get it straight away when we share merit with them. In this way, the proper duty to relatives has been shown, great honour has been done to the departed, and monks and nuns have been given strength. The merit you've acquired isn't small. So this is the merit that we accumulate and it's the merit that is given to our departed relatives, particularly if we don't know whether they have gone to a good place or not. It's a very good thing if we worry about them, then this is something we can do. And at the same time, we're giving strength through almsgiving, when we offer dana to the sangha, like food, then we give them strength by offering the food. So this is something to bear in mind, to always dedicate merits for almsgiving to our departed relatives to help them out. And also as a way of gratitude for anything that they may have helped us with in this lifetime. And then we have the sharing merit with all living beings. And there's this uh, Dhammapada verse where Saka, king of the Devas, he comes to um, talk with the Buddha and it's Dhammapada verse number 354 and what Saka uh, talks to the Buddha about is about the sharing of merit. So he says to the Buddha, Venerable Sir, if the gift of the Dhamma excels all gifts, why are we not invited to share the merit whenever gifts of the Dhamma are made? Venerable Sir, I pray that from now on we may be given a share in the merit of good deeds. And so after that, Buddha actually got all the monks together and asked them to share the merit of any good deed uh, with all beings. And so since that time, that has been the custom, why we invite all the beings from all the different realms to come and share merit. So that's why after every Dhamma session, for example, we always share the merit with all sentient beings. And likewise, any good deed that you do, whether it's something you do at school or whether you do something at home or in your community, in your mind, you, you share merit with all living beings. This is a very wholesome and wonderful thing. And so you get the blessings even from the devas and the different gods and everything. In the beginning, we talked a little bit about the different kinds of wealth. And so there are seven kinds of wealth. There is wealth of conviction. So when you have sadda or faith in the Buddha, that makes you wealthy. When you have wealth of virtue, so like sila, so moral virtue, then that is also considered wealthy by the Buddha. There's also wealth when you have moral shame. So a sense of shame, that's very good because it stops you from doing bad things. 
Also, if you have the wealth of fear of wrongdoing, again, if you fear the repercussions, the karmic result of bad actions, then that's a very wholesome thing because it prevents you from doing the, the, the wrong things. Then if you have the wealth of learning, in Pali this is called Bahusutta, then this is also considered wealthy because you remember the Buddha's words, you're able to meditate on them, and, it, and it's something that can never be taken away from you. And then the wealth of generosity is what we're going to look at next and why it's considered the, uh, a wealth. And the last one is the wealth of wisdom, this Panya. So these are the different kinds of wealth that the Buddha talks about. And the reason that he talks about it as wealth is because these are the things that can't be taken away from you. So when you think about thieves and uh, natural disasters like fire and floods, when you think about the government, when you think about kings and different ways that wealth can be taken away from you, even your parents can take it away from you like pocket money and things or borrow it from you. But when it comes to these seven things, conviction, virtue, sense of shame, fear of wrongdoing, learning, generosity and wisdom, those uh, things cannot touch that. It cannot be taken away from you. And so Buddha talks about wealth in this way. So what is this wealth of generosity? Well, Buddha says it's when a noble disciple lives at home, rid of the stain of stinginess, freely generous, open-handed, loving to let go, committed to charity, loving to give and to share. This is called the wealth of generosity. So really, we know people like this. We may have some of these qualities ourselves where it's easy for us to give out. Like if we've been given something and there's a lot of it, rather than just saving it for yourself, having that presence of mind to want to share it with others. And that applies to our material things, whether it's food, whether it's drink, whether it's presents, whether it's toys, all those sorts of things. Same with studying. When someone needs some help, you freely give that help. You don't think, oh, I won't help this person because they'll do better than me. Instead of thinking in that way, you help them because you want them also to succeed. So the wealth of generosity is something that is really a mind state as well as you undertake those things from that mind state. It's a very uh, high mind state in many ways and it's really a good one to develop because you find that people like you when you have this generous attitude, when you embody that and you treat people in a very kind and generous way. And so often if you turn that around and you think, what kind of people do we like? We often like generous people. And so if we are generous ourselves, then we know, ah, well, people will like us too. And so that's also something to consider. We have this lovely story in the Dhammapada that comes to us. And it helps to understand giving in a deeper sense because it's about this Brahmin couple called Chulaka Saktaka. And this Brahmin couple were quite poor, and so they shared one external garment, so an outer garment. So that meant they couldn't go out at the same time. So during the day, the wife would go and listen to the Buddha, and in the evening, the husband would go and listen to the Buddha. So one evening, the husband went to listen to the Buddha, and he got very joyful from listening to the Buddha's teachings. In the first watch of the night, he thought, I really want to give Buddha something. Maybe I can give him the outer robe. But he hesitated because he remembered this outer robe that I'm wearing, this cloth that I'm wearing, I share it with my wife. We'll have nothing if we offer it to the Buddha. 
then so he put it down and then the second watch of the night so time had passed and he was still listening and then he thought again I really want to give something to the Buddha but then he hesitated again it was only in the third watch of the night so towards the end of the evening that he thought the same thing but then he corrected himself and he said why am I so stingy if I was to pass away I might end up in a bad destination so he went against the hesitation and he went up to the Buddha and bowed and he offered something that was very hard for him to give which was this outer robe so the, the king King Kosala so King Pasanadi of Kosala was in the audience that night and he saw that this Brahmin man who was giving up something very difficult to the Buddha out of sadha, out of conviction towards the Buddha and out of generosity and so he rewarded he thought ah this man deserves to be rewarded so he rewarded a piece of cloth to the Brahmin so the story goes that the Brahmin kept offering every time he received something he kept offering something to the Buddha and King Kosala every time would reward him with more things and so he got to 32 pieces of cloth and the Brahmin kept one piece for himself and he kept one for his wife but he offered the remaining 30 pieces to the Buddha so the king heard about this so this was the final thing and the king thought this must we must give him something really good and so the king sent a messenger and he gave uh, velvet cloth so this was highly prized and everything and then he found out later that the Brahmin gave the velvet cloth and made a canopy for the Buddha so this Brahmin person turned it around and became ever so generous and at the end of the day the king uh, eventually gave him he gave him uh, seven kinds so he gave him four elephants four horses four female workers four female four male workers four errand boys four villages and lots of money so the bhikkhus when they heard about all this this thing that was transpiring between this brahmin couple and and the king uh, the monks asked the buddha how is that in the case of this brahmin a good deed done at present bears fruit immediately and then the buddha replied if the brahmin had offered the outer garment in the first watch of the night he would have been rewarded with 16 of each kind uh, if he had made the offering in the middle watch he would have been rewarded with eight of each kind since he had made his offering only during the last watch of the night he was only rewarded uh, four of each kind so the buddha's teaching is hasten to do good restrain your thoughts from evil when the mind is slow in doing good it delights in evil so what we learn from this teaching of the buddha is that if you want to give if you want to do good deeds do them quickly don't procrastinate because the reward will come slowly but if you and it will come sparingly as well but if you are fast at giving if you give quickly and you don't hesitate then the reward comes very quickly and also it will be vast so this is a wonderful teaching from the buddha for us to, to learn and we learn about this wonderful couple from the time of the buddha who really overcame hesitancy and and stinginess around something and also the fact that when something is difficult to give like when we like it for ourselves but we still give it and give it with really noble intention then it's a very wholesome thing
And we also learned that there's a difference between a generous person and a stingy person. And even when it comes to quality. So there was this Princess Sumana and she asked the Buddha, here Bhante, there might be two disciples of the Blessed One, equal in faith, virtuous behavior and wisdom, but one is generous while the other is not. With the breakup of the body after death, they would be reborn in a good destination in the heavenly world when they become devas. Would there be any distinction or difference between them? And so the Buddha says that there will be a difference because the person, although they have similar qualities in faith, virtue and wisdom, if you're generous, then you'll have a greater lifespan, you'll have more beauty, you'll have more happiness, you'll have more fame, and you'll have more authority. So this is if you're born in a, a good destination, like a heavenly world. If you're reborn as a human, it's the same thing. You'll have a greater lifespan, greater beauty, greater happiness, greater fame, and greater authority. Now, if you're reborn as a as a human, but you ordain as a monk or a nun, what is said about that is if you've been generous in the past, then specific requisites will be given to you. So your robe, your alms bowl, uh, particular offerings of food, medicines, places to stay, so things like that. So there is a distinction. So you might have certain good qualities, but when it comes to generosity, it also plays a part. So it's always something to remember. So people were always curious at the time of the Buddha around these things. And so they asked really interesting questions that we can learn from. There's another sutta called the Pathama Aputtaka Sutta. And the Buddha is giving more advice. So I'll read the Buddha's words. He says, when a contemptible person acquires wealth, they neither enjoy nor give. But when the wise person obtains wealth, they enjoy and they do their duty. Having supported their kin, free from blame, the noble person goes to the heavenly state. So a contemptible person is someone who is a bit of a Scrooge, a bit of a person who likes to do maybe not so good things. When they get wealthy, they what inevitably happens, what they're saying, they can't enjoy the wealth and they don't give out the wealth. They're not generous with it. But a wise person would be generous, would fulfill duties to family and friends and other uh, people that they associate with. So they make sure everybody has enough. And then they're also free of blame. So if you have people working with you and you're a wise person, you make sure that people are well-maintained, that you're not stingy with them, that you pay them fairly, that they wouldn't blame you for being uh, not doing the right thing. So you know how there are minimum wages in the world, things like that. You know, a wise person would make sure that if their business is profiting, that they make sure their workers are also being well-maintained. Same with the family and everything. But a contemptible person, which sometimes we hear about in the world, when they are wealthy, they don't pay their workers very well. And in the end, they seem to be enjoying their wealth, but deep down, they may not be really enjoying their wealth because there's something that's not quite right about it. So these are the things to remember. As you go through life, Buddha has these very wise words for us to remember and to uh, contemplate, to think about, and to use whatever wealth comes to us very wisely and with generosity. 
So Buddha talks about these factors of giving and he talks about it because people often want to know different things and this related to one of the lay disciples called Velukanthaki and he was using this as a way of teaching the monks and the nuns about what are some important factors of giving. So on the donor side, the one who is giving, a donor is joyful before giving. So as you make plans to give, as you gather all the things, the mind is happy doing it. You know, it doesn't have any kind of, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this or, you know, those kinds of thoughts. The donor instead feels elated, really happy to be able to do something wholesome. The second one is, as you're in the act of giving, you have a mind that is confident and placid. So it means the mind is contented and it's also very focused on the act of giving and doing it in a way that it is very happy to be doing so. And then the third one is, after you give, the mind is happy. It has no regrets, no remorse. So you don't regret, oh, I shouldn't have given so much or, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. You don't have any of those thoughts. So in that way, you, you fulfill uh, the wholesome part of giving and it completes in a very uh, upright way. And then on the recipient side, the one who receives, what's really important, like a very good way of giving is if you give to people who are free of greed, hatred and delusion or lust, hatred and delusion, or they're practicing to do that. And so that's why often we give to the Sangha. And then this includes uh, people who, lay people and uh, monastics who are practicing towards the non-greed path, the non-hate path and the non-delusion path is because they fulfill the types of people that you want to give to. And they are particularly upright and wholesome and they're walking the Buddha's path. So this is also something to bear in mind because sometimes we think what's the best kind of giving and what kind of mind state do I need to be in? And, and this helps us to understand that. There are lots of suttas on giving and there's lots of suttas talking about the benefits of giving or the fruits of giving. So I thought I'd add an, a little bit more because, well, you know, it's always good to know what happens when we give. So Buddha talks about you're dear and agreeable to many people. So we've talked about this before, that people like you when you're generous. Also, good persons resort to you. So people who are also upright and generous, they, they actually come and want to spend time with you. And then you get a good reputation. So you become known as someone who's open-hearted and generous and then and helpful. And then the fourth one is, one is not deficient in the layperson's duty. So that means... When you have this giving nature, it's actually you actually start to be able to fulfill your duty as a layperson to your family, to your friends, to the people you work with or people who work for you. And then the other one is when you have to approach any kind of crowd, so whether it's standing in front of the school, standing up in front of the school and having to speak, or whether it's going to visit new people or undertaking any kind of thing where you have to go into a crowd, you actually go into it with confidence and composure. So you know how when you think about going into different places, particularly new places with a lot of people and you have to speak, often we get scared or timid or a little bit anxious. But Buddha is saying that when you have this generosity, this uh, willingness to give, then that kind of um, anxiety doesn't really come to you. You actually feel quite confident and calm when you go towards any kinds of crowds. So that's a really useful thing to know. 
And then the last one, as we've said in this uh, session, is when you pass away at the time when you die with the breakup of the body, you'll be reborn in a good destination because it's your wholesome deeds, whether it's physical, verbal or mental, they lift you up. You know, so the mind gravitates to the higher mental states. The, the joy of giving is what lifts you up. So it's really good to know that if you live a lay life, it's good to live one in this way, being generous and with a happy mind. The question that is also asked is what blocks giving? And Buddha goes on about this quite a bit in a number of his teachings. As we know, if you've followed the Vatupama Sutta, the simile of the cloth on this channel, then you know that the mental stains are things that block us, in particular when we have a lot of longing and wanting, like covetousness, that can block generosity and giving, because it's always about me and wanting to keep things for yourself. It can also be about stinginess, as we've touched on before, that you're actually quite selfish. You don't want to share. You have preferences around what you share. And so we know that there are five kinds of stinginess. Stinginess towards what you gain. Stinginess towards one's uh, dwellings. Stinginess towards uh, one's reputation. Stinginess towards groups and family, uh, your clan. And also stinginess around dhamma, like knowledge and things. And so that's what blocks giving. So if you think about sharing your notes from your studies with your students, fellow students, like people that are studying with you, sometimes we don't want to share that because we think, oh, they'll compete with us and they'll do better on the test. We don't think from the perspective of if we share with them, then we all get to, to do better. And even the merit of having shared something that is hard to share is actually really good. Same with if we get something for our birthday, uh, some kind of chocolates or whatever. It's always good to share with you know brothers and sisters, with your parents or, or with your friends or take it to school if it's possible and share it. I mean, there are certain things that you can't do these days at school, but you know you get the idea that you're trying to overcome these blocks because stinginess and uh, coveting for oneself are, are real blocks. And also when you're angry with someone. So when you go through the mental stains, you'll find that they, these are the things that block you. When you're angry with someone, you most often you can't share. So if you're angry with your mom or your dad and you know you have chocolates to share, most likely if you're angry with them, you don't want to share it with them. And also when you're conceited, same thing. If you if you don't like a person, then out of conceit, sometimes you won't share with them. You think, oh, they don't deserve it. So there's a lot of mental stains that block giving. So it's good to investigate that. As we know, these mental stains, they also make us difficult to instruct. So if we have these mental stains and Buddha says it's good to give, we might think, no, I'm not going to believe the Buddha. And we might, in a very foolish way, uh, that might obstruct us. So that's something to bear in mind. But if we're easy to instruct, that means we don't have so many of these mental stains, we, we purify the mind, we clean it up through the Vatupama Sutta, then we listen to the Buddha's words that we've heard in this session and we realize actually giving is really good. It's very good for us. It's even good for our departed relatives when we share merit. And then the third one is around no fear of wrongdoing. So if we don't have any idea about the ramifications of say stinginess, 
that it leads to the possibility of being reborn in a in a bad destination if we don't have the fear of that then we won't incline or lean towards giving and so that becomes a block if we have a really good understanding that good deeds lead to good destination and bad deeds potentially lead to bad destination then that's a very helpful thing to have that that fear of knowing the difference of knowing the difference between if it's good to be a generous person versus a stingy person so that can block so it's good to have a healthy fear of wrongdoing and then the last one that we got on this is preventing others from giving there are suttas where buddha talks about it being very very unwholesome if we block someone else's merit so if someone wants to do something good whether it's a friend or a family member or someone we know and we say oh don't do that don't do that they they don't deserve that you shouldn't give it when we block it the buddha says we block their merit and we block their gain so they will get rewards in this lifetime or the next lifetime for those good deeds and we block that and so what happens is we end up injuring ourselves because we get the demerit of something blocking someone's goodness and so it's very good not to block someone else's goodness whether it's right or wrong whether we think it's right or wrong if they're doing acts of goodness acts of kindness we should allow them to do so otherwise we end up injuring ourselves we we gain the demerit and inevitably it makes us a very stingy person and in the end our friend may not like us as well or family member if we if we block it so the main thing is that if you are stingy if you don't have some of these good qualities that the buddha talks about if you're always about this is mine and i can't give it up you can't have it then it blocks you know all the goodness that can come from giving there's one more story that is useful to share because it gives you a really good example from the time of the buddha about one person who has a mind that is tight and stingy versus one person who uh, has a very open and generous mind is willing to endorse the goodness and so this was around a very massive mega dana that was given by king kosala and queen malika and at that time the buddha had said to them that after they gave it he he said that only once in the lifetime of a buddha does such a mega dana happen and so this was one of those and so they gave this massive dana that had like 500 elephants 500 princesses and you know really big sangha offering so there were two ministers that were sitting in the crowd one minister had a very wholesome mindset they thought the king was doing so much good for the benefit of all sentient beings and in his mind he endorsed what the king and the queen had done and and took delight in it found no fault in it but then there was this other minister who was sitting there who was griping the mind was complaining the mind was saying how could the king do this it's a waste of money and then thinking about the sangha and saying oh it's a waste because they'll go back and sleep so really akusala thoughts really unwholesome thoughts and this minister you can see his mind's very tight it's fault finding and very stingy like he was thinking that the king could have used the money for other things now and it wouldn't be beneficial for all sentient beings of course so he didn't have any wisdom the buddha had said so he said that the the stingy do not go to the heavenly realms indeed fools do not praise giving and the wise one rejoices giving on account of this they'll be happy hereafter 
So happiness always plays a part. When you're generous, when you endorse generosity, you'll be happy. But the really important thing to remember is not to fault find, not to uh, do the wrong thing in your mind or even to verbalize it, to say it out and complain about people who are generous because that's something that's very foolish and also it will drag you down and something that you regret doing. So this story can be very helpful uh, to know about and also to rejoice in the king and queen's massive dana and bring the happiness to the mind. So we're coming towards the end of the session and just wanted to quickly touch on the role models that we have for giving. Because we have two role models that the Buddha has proclaimed as the foremost of his male and female lay disciples. So the first one is Anathapindaka as his foremost male lay disciple who's a donor, so a dayaka, and Visaka, Migara's mother, is the foremost of the female lay disciples who's a donor, a dayaka. So I won't go into this in, in great detail because we're running out of time, but what we'll do is we'll have some bonus sessions on these role models because I think for inspiration, for learning about their stories, it's really important as part of learning about giving. The final sutta that I wanted to touch on was the Velama Sutta. And if you remember this sutta, it's really about the scale of good deeds and giving. And when it comes to giving, Buddha always emphasizes, do it with due care, do it with consideration, so thoughtfulness. And when it comes to the scale, it's always good to give to those with purified conduct, people that have higher sila. So as lay people, we keep five, we keep eight, we can keep 10. But when it comes to the monastics, the monks have 227 rules. And I think the nuns have 311. So you can see that when one has more purified conduct, then giving to them is also excellent. And in this sutta, the Buddha talks about giving to the Buddha, giving to the Buddha and the Sangha. And so when you read it, you see how it escalates in terms of the punya, the merit that can come. But the interesting thing is that if you keep the precepts yourself, like if you keep five precepts and you keep them really well, that is far superior even than offering, making offerings to the Buddha and the Sangha. And that's quite a surprising thing to, to, to read about, to hear from the Buddha. And even more than that, if one actually practices meditation and even has one finger snap like this, of metta, true metta. So we've learned that in metta school. If you have one true moment of genuine metta to the world, then that is much more meritorious than even giving alms to the Buddha and the, and the Sangha. And if you know the quality of Anicca is the, the supreme, like the utmost in terms of this list in the Vilama Sutta, then if you really truly understand one finger snap of Anicca, then that is the most meritorious according to the Buddha. So there are a few things for you to think about and understand and maybe have a look at those suttas. So we've come to the end of our session. As I said, we don't want to take too long with this, this Dhanakata. So we're going to have three bonus sessions that will come in due course. The first one is the story of Anathapindika. So he's our first role model. The second role model is Visaka, Migara's mother. So we're going to have a separate session on her, her story. And both are very, very uplifting. So we, 
we generally know about these people because they're so prominent in the suttas. And then, and also if you don't know them, then it's a very good opportunity to learn about them because they're very inspiring. You know, if you even take a number of qualities that they have as a way to train in giving, it's really wonderful. And then the third one is really about brightening our, our mind as a result of giving and generosity. There's a way to meditate that can lift the mind. And so when you use that, it can be very useful for other aspects of, of our life. So when it comes to studying, when it comes to sitting for exams, when it comes to duties at home or duties outside, then th these are things that we can use in order to create mind energy. So it's useful to have a separate session on that. So those will be coming in due course as bonus sessions. So if there are any questions, please feel free to email. You can email series at gmail.com or if you wanted to make some suggestions or you wanted to ask something specific about one of the suttas we've been through or to clarify anything, please send in an email. Or if you're listening to this through the podcast, through anchor.fm, there's the opportunity to leave a voicemail. So if you want to do that, that's also possible. Let's share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be happy and well. Sharing all the merit of this session with all living beings for their benefit. Blessings of the Triple Gem. Wishing you all well. Teruan Saranai.